Hi, Gary Zacharias here with the Apologist Bookshelf. I'm going to do something a little odd this time. I'm going to cover a book that's not Christian, not by a Christian author. It's called Strange Rites, R-I-T-E-S, Strange Rites, subtitled New Religions for a Godless World, written by Tara Isabella Burton. And why am I going to talk about this? And Because we're living in a time where mainstream religion participation has plummeted. You know, Americans are, are drawing away from mainstream religions, but they're they're sticking with spirituality. They're looking for a substitute. Uh, you, they're not going to live without meaning. Nobody can do that. And so I think we as Christians need to find out what's going on. What are people going to? What are they turning to? What are their alternatives? And of course, we know as Christians that these alternatives are not going to be in the long run, good for people. They're all going to fail. But we need to know, we need to be aware of what's out there. We don't want to live in a Christian bubble. And so this book is uh, really good for showing us what's outside of our Christian bubble these days. On the back cover, Rod Dreher, D-R-E-H-E-R, he wrote The Benedict Option. He says, uh, she's a, talking about the author here, Burton is a, her generation's foremost chronicler of American religious life. Says her intelligence, her immersive reporting, and her vivid prose style illuminate. And here's the part I wanted you to get: illuminate with particular intensity the radical religious changes transforming post-Christian America. Gosh, that's hard to see that in print. That's really depressing. Post-Christian America, it is, and we need to know what's going on out there. He also says the religious center has not held. Burton is an essential guide to the mere spiritual anarchy now loosed upon the Western world. Oh, that's hard to read, isn't it? Spiritual anarchy. And that's exactly what's going on there. So her book discusses various places Americans are going to to try to capture some sense of spirituality in their lives, a sense of meaning. And she's got one chapter here, and this is a chapter I wanted to share with you today. It's called Today's Great Awakening and Why It's Not Like the Others. So she says, we've had these booms and busts when it comes to religious ideas in the past. Um, You know, there was the Great Awakening and then it kind of faded. And so these things come and go. So probably a lot of people are going to look at these new ones that she talks about in here and say, well, why should we bother paying attention? They're going to disappear as well. And she says, I don't think so. She said there are three main factors that make this idea, this new search for meaning, it's not going to go away. She thinks these things are going to stick around. What are the three reasons? And this is what I want to talk about. This chapter discusses these. One is the absence of wider demographic pressure. Now, that's a fancy way of saying people are not conforming as much to large groups like they used to. Secondly, she says that the power of consumer capitalism, in other words, there's something going on out there with companies and how they're tapping into this urge for meaning. And then third is the rise of the internet. And she says all three of these have created or at least uh, contributed to a fragmented and decentralized religious landscape. Okay, so let me get those again, the three, and then we'll talk about each of them in this chapter. The absence of wider demographic pressure. Okay, so you're not seeing the the need to join big groups anymore. Two is the power of consumer capitalism, what companies are doing. And three is the rise of the internet. So let's take the first one there. Said, uh, you know, people growing up today, 
don't really see religion, uh, traditional religion at least, as a core part of their meaning or purpose. So that's kind of sad, isn't it? It says millennials these days have more options in, in determining their social identity and building their own spiritual fabric than their parents did. So they figure, I should seek these things out. It says children that are raised outside of faith traditions are finding a lot less reason to get back into big churches and all. So they said they're not rejoining the ranks of the religiously organized. And the mass benefits that people used to say you got from institutional religion seem to be less apparent in this fractured age that we live in. And it says millennials want to prioritize individual expression and autonomy over group affiliation and authority. And I'll tell you, that's coming up again and again when I've researched a lot of different topics. Same thing with transgenderism and other things, that people are prioritizing the individual. They're prioritizing autonomy. Don't tell me what I need. I'll determine everything for myself. And going away is group affiliation and authority. So this idea of questioning and being independent just dominates the rationale of people who left organized religion behind. When asked why they left their faith, she uses this uh, study. 60% of religiously raised people today said they questioned religious teachings. They didn't like the position that the churches took on some social or political issues, and some said they just didn't like religious organizations. So it says, here we go again, it's all about being an autonomous being. The self's desires end up being number one, and... Uh, so there's the first issue. There's nothing bigger that they want to be part of. They want to be an individual. Number two, corporations are stepping in. It says big budget companies are looking around and they're seeing that these people today have a real hunger. And so they're finding out that activities and philosophies and rituals that could be challenging to these millennials are great if they'll meet their need for individualization and intuitional freedom. So it says you have corporate sponsors that jump in on these things. It says not, no sooner does something become a viral movement than some kind of ingenious startup finds a way to recreate it and make some money off of it. So it says meaning, purpose, community, and ritual can all be purchased on Amazon Prime. Wow, that's a kind of a cynical statement, isn't it? Meaning, I want to read that one again. Meaning, purpose, community, and ritual. Those are the four things that she said earlier in her book are what people hunger for. And that's why they've been part of religions for so long. But she's saying they don't need it anymore in church. Meaning, purpose, community, and ritual. They don't get it from church. They get it from Amazon Prime. It says more and more brands are packaging and marketing religious and spiritual products. And uh, the spirituality is the next big thing in marketing, different companies are being told. It says even brands that don't offer specifically religious or spiritual products are looking to spiritual traditions to improve their bottom line. For example, I love her example. She's got some great examples in here. Google offers its employees, here comes the quote, headlines, search inside yourself courses. It's Eastern-tinged meditation. It says the company also has what they call mindful lunches, where the employees sit around in total silence. 
and all you can hear is some Zen Buddhist prayer bells going off. Wow. So it says companies are using the, themselves to, to be seen as moral arbiters, and they're selling values now instead of just products. Okay, so there's the first thing. And the second thing, we're not joining as much big groups. And secondly, the companies are getting involved. And she says, you know, all of this spiritual branding would be impossible without this third phenomenon that she says she thinks is going to keep this splintering going on forever. And it's, she says it's the new internet culture. It says it's made geography are irrelevant. You don't need to be uh, in a particular physical area, do you? It says the internet hasn't just made us location independent. It's encouraged us to have a ton of options and to demand a creative role in designing our own experiences, including internet ones. That says the internet provides highly specialized alternative communities where people can get together with others. And so it says we're splintering into new technology-driven tribes. And uh, her point is the internet's retribalized us all. It said you can become a Harry Potter fan. There are websites for that. There are websites for Wiccans. Skincare fanatics, they have their websites. Political activists. It says you can use the internet to find people like you with similar interests, philosophies, whatever it is. So you can transcend old ways of identifying things like institutional religions or some kind of ethnic thing, and, and that's gone. Now you can connect with just a few people that share something with you. So it says the Internet's made us hungrier for individualization, for products, for information, for groups that reflect our sense of self. So here we go again, more autonomy, right? Make it about me. So that gives you an idea. That's uh, just one part of her book. But this is really, really interesting stuff. Unfortunately, it's going on out there. She talks about things like, uh, like I mentioned, the Harry Potter uh, phenomenon. And she talks about wellness culture, magic, all right? Witchcraft and magic are rebounding. Sexual utopias are being sold to us. People are getting involved in that. And she talks about things like... Uh, technology, you know, that we'll all be on a computer mainframe someday, but we've got all of these clashing and uh, splintered groups out there. And we, again, let me just re rephrase that or say it again, that we need as Christians to be aware of what alternatives are out there because these things are going to fail people like with the wellness products. Well, that's fine when you're young and healthy, but that doesn't last. And we need to be there to pick up the pieces when people fall apart with these things and share with them the truth and the lasting value of being Christians. So this is a book that, again, it's by a non-Christian. So I'm not saying you necessarily ought to go out and buy it, but if you can find it in a used book store sometime, it's pretty interesting reading. Kind of sad what people are willing to put up with just to get away from organized religion. Somehow we're not making Christianity appear the way it ought to be uh, spoken of, and people are having misconceptions, which is a real shame. Uh, Christianity is not just going to a place all dressed up and singing a few songs. You know, it should change our whole lives. We, we don't want to live in a Christian bubble, and reading about this, I think, would help us escape that bubble. All right, well, thank you for joining me this time on this podcast, and um, hope I can talk to you again in the future.